Chapter 3 of The Whispering Eye by G.T. Fleming Roberts. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Haven of the Hunted. Ten minutes later, Delancey drove the getaway car out of the service station. It was a gray sedan no longer. It was a brilliant blue job with red wheels, and it carried a Texas license. Delancey was at the wheel, and the woman with the cold green eyes rode beside him. Two of Delancey's gunmen crouched out of sight on the floor of the rear compartment, while two more had been crowded into the luggage compartment at the rear. As the car rolled on toward Manhattan's northern boundary, the woman with the green eyes switched on the radio on the dash. All of the cars used on stick-up jobs were furnished with receivers capable of picking up police calls, and, out of the corner of his eye, Delancey saw that the woman was twisting the dial down to the police band. "'What's the idea?' Delancey asked. He wasn't particularly pleasant to this woman who rode with him, largely because she treated him like the dirt under her feet. "'I simply want to check up,' she said coldly. "'I want to know just how clean that job was.' "'Clean?' Delancey fumed. "'Listen, lady, we knocked off every damn guy who could have told anything about us, and there wasn't a copper in sight. Why, I haven't seen a bull in so long as I have to look twice to recognize one.' "'That may be,' she admitted. "'But I want to make sure.' "'Listen,' Delancey said, now thoroughly angry. "'How do you get that way? "'Who the hell you think you are checking up on me? "'You the eyes, Maul?' "'Maul?' the woman questioned. "'I do not understand.' "'You don't understand,' Delancey scoffed. "'Listen, babe, don't get high hat with me or I'll slap you down.' "'You would not be so foolish,' she said scornfully. The eye would tear you into small pieces. He would— The flat voice of a police announcer came from the radio speaker and interrupted the threat. Warning to all cars. Be on the lookout for a blue Buick sedan, 1939 model, red wheels, being driven by a Raymond Delancey. Delancey is wanted for hold-up and murder. Wanted for hold-up and murder. Ray Delancey. Height 5 feet 8 inches. Weighing 180 pounds. Delancey's hand shot out to the radio switch, cutting off the voice of the announcer. It was impossible— there had been no police at the Wheaton plant. No cops had tailed them. No cops had seen that the gray sedan which had driven into Berkey's filling station had come out a blue sedan. A clean job, you said, the woman with the green eyes mocked. One of the gunmen who crouched on the floor of the rear compartment cursed quietly and without interruption for nearly a minute. Delancey tramped nervously on the gas pedal. Don't worry, anybody, he said. The heat's on, and I don't know how the hell the cops got that way, but it ain't the first time I've given them the shake. We'll go to Jack Carlson's garage. He'll get us out of this. It'll cost something, but hell, we've got lots of dough. Delancey drove as though he was rolling on thin ice. The sight of a traffic cop made him dodge around a corner that threw him off his course. He came close to having convulsions when a squad car passed on the next street west, its siren wailing. He told the boys in the back seat to get their guns out, just in case they had to shoot it out. But somehow, all of his anxiety was wasted, and he at last sighted a neon sign which read, Atlas Auto Livery. Delancey turned the sedan through the door of the big garage, rolled across the wide parking floor to the cement ramp at the rear. He got into second gear and zoomed up the ramp to the second floor. Then he got out of the car, walked to the office, which was partitioned off from the rest of the floor by means of frosted glass. The door of the office carried the words, Jack Carlson, President. 
Carlson had started out as the operator of a wildcat bus company. In this business, he had learned so many ways to circumvent the law that he had decided to put that knowledge to more lucrative uses. Under the cover of a legitimate auto livery and trucking business, he had built a vast transportation system which was employed by any criminal who was wanted by the police and could afford to pay Carlson's fee. When the town got too hot for a killer or stick-up artist, Jack Carlson had many tricks up his sleeve which would enable the wanted man to move to a cooler spot. Delancey entered Carlson's reception room, which was never closed. At the invitation of the blonde stenographer at the desk, he squatted on a chair and lighted a cigarette. Jack Carlson entered the room a moment later, walking with the energetic bounce of a busy man. Carlson was a little above medium height, dark-complexioned, his brow a washboard of horizontal wrinkles. He had a waxed mustache, which he was in the habit of twisting whenever in deep thought. "'Well, well, well,' he said cheerfully as he shook hands with Delancey. "'Some little trouble bothering you tonight, Ray?' Delancey scowled. He couldn't see that there was anything to be cheerful about. "'The boys and I pulled a little job,' he said. "'It didn't amount to a whole lot, but I think there's a leak somewhere in our organization. "'The cops got the heat on us, and we'd like a hand out of town for a few days.' Carlson went to his desk and sat down, stuck a slim cigar in his well-formed lips. "'How much was your job?' he asked quietly as he struck a match. "'Not much.' Delancey said. Maybe ten grand at the outside. He purposely lied about the take, because Carlson usually charged on the percentage basis. Another thing which was inclined to influence Carlson's price was that little business of murder. If you killed on a job, Carlson considered the danger greater and pushed up his fee accordingly. Anybody knocked off, Ray? Jack Carlson asked. Delancey squirmed uncomfortably in his chair. One of the boys had to shoot a guard in the leg. Nothing messy, though. Carlson inhaled deeply. A faint smile came to his lips. He removed his cigar and waved it at Delancey. So you only got ten grand, Ray, and nobody knocked off? That's what I said, Delancey crabbed. Carlson chuckled. I happened to know that a number of men were killed, and you were wanted for murder, and that your total take was about $75,000, and it'll cost you just $32,500 of that money to get you out of the jam. $32,000, Delancey gasped. Carlson waved his cigar. But for that price, I'll see that you and all your boys get a nice cool spot to hide out in, somewhere a long way from New York. Delancey stood up. Why, you damned greaseball, you! I'd see you in hell first. Pay fifty percent of my take to you, and the usual ten percent to the eye for his part of the job? Hell, that leaves me a lousy forty percent without counting the split to the boys. Take it or leave it, Carlson shrugged. I'll leave it, Delancey rapped. Why, damn you, that's robbery. And your crime was murder, Carlson said. He twisted his mustache thoughtfully. I think you'll take my offer, Delancey, because there just isn't any other out for you. 
Delancey's scowl deepened, his eyes narrowed, an idea was beginning to roll around inside his head. He didn't know exactly what he ought to do with it, but it was an idea anyway. He said, "'You think there's no other out for me, huh? Well, I'm making out before I'll pay any such figure to you. And listen, fella, if I thought—' He stopped a moment, dropped his cigarette onto the carpet, and heeled it out. "'Well, anyway, Carlson, I'm going to have a little talk with the eye, and that little talk is going to be about you and the rotten deal you tried to hand me.' "'Go ahead and talk,' Carlson said. "'And when the cops start closing in on you and your mob, let me know. I'll get you out of the jam for the same figure.' Carlson got up, walked around his desk to where Delancey stood in front of the door. He struck out his hand. No hard feelings, Ray. Delancey looked down at the hand and sneered. No hard feelings, Chisla, but I sure would like to put a couple of slugs in your belly. And Delancey swaggered out of the office. He guessed he'd told that Chisler where he got off. As soon as the door had closed, Jack Carlson bounded back to his desk, touched a button on an inner office communications box. Somebody on the lower floor of the garage answered. Carlson said, Ray Delancey's just leaving. I want him tailed. End of chapter three.